The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. You may recall just by way of quick review that uh, we started out reminding ourselves that from the 17th, or sorry, the 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st chapters of 1 Samuel, that we're at a point in David's life where his faith has lapsed. He has not been as faithful as we know David generally to be in his life. Uh, we saw this morning, or reviewed this morning, the fact that when the time came for Saul to uh, set a watch over his house, that he was going to come get him in the, I believe it's the 18th, 19th chapter there, that uh, David, instead of trusting God to uh, take care of him, he concocted a plan, a deceitful plan, where he would flee out the window and uh, his wife, Saul's daughter, Michael, would, would place a, a dummy in the, in the bed and cover it up as if it was him and, and then lie to Saul about the fact that, you know, if you remember, she told Saul that he threatened me. He threatened me and otherwise I'd have never done it, Daddy, you know, but, uh, but, uh, but that's not the truth and that's not what happened. And, and of course, we, I, always, I love that and I, I know this is the, probably the third time I've gone to it, but I just got to say it again how amazing it is to see what God can do if we will just step out of the way and quit trying to devise our own plans. You know, David fled, and you say, well, that's the wise thing to do, right? <laughs> well, he goes to Samuel, and Samuel is also uh, uh, in the crosshairs of Saul, if you will, for harboring a fugitive. And, uh, and so what happens when Saul goes down to Samuel? Uh, he sends two different sets of companies to go take David and, and Samuel's presiding over the prophets and they're prophesying and here come those messengers down and the next thing you know they're prophesying. <laughs> so Saul, as we said this morning, Saul says, well, if you're going to do a job, if you're going to do it right, you've got to do it yourself. So Saul goes down there and not only does Saul prophesy just like those others he strips off all his clothes and falls down naked and prophesies you know that's pretty strong protection from the spirit of god wouldn't you say yeah. i believe that's pretty strong that's not something that you see every day as we said this morning and so david could have relied on god because david was already the king now remember we're not talking about a pretender to the throne we're, talk, we're not talking about an, a, a crown prince. We're not talking about an heir in waiting. He's not, he is the king of Israel in the sight of God. Samuel has anointed him. He, God has taken away the kingdom from Saul. Saul still sits on the throne. He's got all the power and the authority. I get that from an earthly standpoint. But David is, in fact, the king. And we saw him acting in a faithless way. And we looked at some of the reasons, maybe the roots of that faithlessness, forgetting God's promises and trying to uh, not recognizing the fact that he is a chosen vessel of God. You know, he tried to, he, uh, the king kept trying to marry him off to his daughters. You know, he said, that's part of, you know, I'm going to marry to Mirab, then he didn't let him marry him. And, and uh, David both times said, I'm just not worthy to be the son-in-law to the king. You know, who says? <laughs> who says so? God, he's a vessel of God. He's already the king. Child of God, as we said this morning, we are chosen vessels of God. Amen. And I recognize that we are sorry, low-down sinners. But let me say to you that when God looks at us now, he sees not vessels of unworthiness, but vessels of worthiness right. to serve him. Not because we're worthy in ourselves, but because his son was worthy and we're chosen in Christ before yeah. the foundation of the world. Yeah. So we saw the roots of David's faithlessness. And we saw the comfort that 
David found, even in the midst of that, in the providence of God, by providing him one true friend named Jonathan. And we saw in the 20th chapter how Jonathan helped to deliver David and helped to, um, and chose David, if you will, over his own father. And then as we go on tonight into chapter 21, we're going to see the results of David's faithlessness. The results of David's faithlessness. And, and let me just say to you that the results of faithlessness can be severe. Not only for you, but for those that rely upon you and for those around you. And the first thing we see is David and Ahimelech in chapter 21 in verses 1 through 9. Let's just read this. In chapter 21 and verse 1, then David... Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? Ahimelech was no fool. He knew something was up, okay? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, Now listen to this. This is David's response. Remember, David's in a place where he's not walking by faith anymore. He's, he's trying to manipulate his circumstances. So here's what David's story is. The king hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now I just ask you a question, is that true? <laughs> no, it's not true. It's not true, it's, a lie. it's an outright lie on the part of David. Right. But see, David's afraid now, and David's not walking by sight anymore. He's not, you know, even seeing what happened in the presence of Samuel, when Saul himself came down there, David has lost faith. He has not learned the lesson. You know, you'd think you'd say, David, knock, 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 wake up. Saul was prophesying naked, okay? <laughs> that's a big, that's a sight to see. You know, that's something you don't see every day. Uh, you think God might be able to protect you if he can make the king strip down and act a fool? Surely he can protect you, you know? But, you know, I can see David's line of thinking, though. It's like, well, that's, that's Samuel. He's a preacher. You know, he's a prophet. That's just, let, me, let me say to you in the congregation, you who aren't preachers, often people, and there's a, let, me, let me just say to you, there's a special calling that only a preacher has. Okay? We, always talk, we often talk about God's calling me to this, calling me to that. Well, God leads all of us, okay? But he only calls preachers. Right. There's no calling into the music. There's no calling into, you know, I've been called to be district attorney. No, I have not. I chose that. <laughs> I chose that. Much to my chagrin, very often. I chose that, you know. Sometimes we get, to, we get into the situation where we feel like, oh, I've just been called to this particular job. You've not been called to any job. You've been led there, maybe, and you've been providentially guided, but there's a special calling for preachers, okay? I get that. It's a treasure in earth and vessels, okay? Now that's not, let me just say to you, that's not lifting preachers up above the rest of the congregation because preachers are actually down below. You know, you know what Paul says we are? Paul says we're fools. We're fools. So what are you as a preacher? I'm a fool. Or a preacher. Six of one half does the other, you know? It's, uh, it's Brother David. I love that story. I can't tell it like him, so I won't try, but about losing your marbles, that's, that's kind of what it takes to, to be a preacher, okay? Uh, but uh, so we're not better or higher than it's, a, but it is a treasure, and it, but it is in earthen vessels, as Brother Buddy prayed earlier. Now, having said that, sometimes I was guilty of this, and you may have been guilty of this. Say, well, you're the preacher. I'm not. <laughs> Things are different with you. 
things are special for you as a preacher. Uh, well, you know, I get that, preacher. You can be faithful because you're a preacher, you know? You've been called. So, so you can be faithful, but now I'm a regular guy. You know, I'm, I'm out here living in the real world, if you will. <laughs> you know, let me tell you, I just will say this, especially if you're a preacher that also has a secular job, you're living in the real world, okay? <laughs> it's uh, realer than you want it to be often. But, uh, but sometimes we're guilty of that. I can see David. I, now, we're, I'm in furry here. Understand, this is not written in the Word of God. But you ask the question, why did David... Under, I mean, again, I just have this vision in my mind of this big man that stands head and shoulders above everybody else marching down there, Saul the king, to take David away, taking his clothes off as he goes. You know, just all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's out there like King Midas uh, with no clothes on and he's preaching. You know? Uh, you know, that's a pretty amazing sight. And that's a pretty amazing way God protected David yeah. and Samuel. Uh, and yet David goes right on yeah. the same path he's on. Could David possibly be, have been saying, well, you know, that's Samuel. I mean, he's a, he's a call prophet. I mean, that's, that's different than me. I'm, a, I'm just a little shepherd boy that God says I'm king, you know. I mean, I, I don't even feel much like a king. I'm just kind of a regular guy out here. See, David's faithlessness. It, don't, let's don't fall into that trap. Preachers are not different in that way right. than anybody else. Right. Okay, we have. I'm not so sure that we don't have a, a harder struggle walking by faith sometimes. So, that, anyway, moving on here with what the story says, David says he he lies. He comes up with a story and he says in verse three, "Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present." See, seeking food and, and, and rest. And the priest answered David and said, there is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread if the young men have, have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out and the vessels of the young men are holy and the bread is in a manner common, is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the show bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now, up to this point, let's sort of summarize what's happened. David has gone down. He's left uh, Samuel the priest. He's gone to Nob, to the place where Ahimelech was, was a priest. And he's lied to Ahimelech, and he's asked for help from Ahimelech, you know, I, I got this view of Ahimelech as having just something gnawing at him because, you know, the first thing he said was, you know, I, he was afraid. He said, well, what, what are you doing down here alone? Something's up, right? But surely David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, won't lie to me. Yeah. So David has told me this story. Okay, well, whew, I feel better. And, you know, uh, I like Ahimelech because one thing we know about Ahimelech is he was not a legalist. He was right. not a legalist. Legally, that showbread was was hallowed and, and it was not something that was to be used commonly for the purpose that he's using it here. And um, he said, well, boy, that must have been a great violation of the law and the Lord was not pleased, right? Well, turn with me over to, uh, to Mark chapter 2. And let's just see what the Lord himself says about it. Mark chapter 2 and verse 23. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? Now let me just say also to you, Sunday is a special day. It's a day that we're supposed to be in the house of the Lord. 
I'm thankful the Lord doesn't require all the things of us today that he required of them back then. You know, there were certain washings and, and sacrifices that had to be made. All he really requires of us is that we be here when we have services. You know, we have services morning and night, okay? The Lord just says, if the church is open, you need to be there. You need, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, okay? Uh, but the Pharisees didn't understand that yet. And the, and the economy of the law had not changed yet. And they were saying, legally, these disciples are not doing what they should. And notice where Jesus goes to prove the point that the Sabbath is... Uh, uh, that uh, the Sabbath is, is something that was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. He said, have you never read what David did when he had need and was a hungered? He and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests and gave also to them which were with him. And he says to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the son of man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now, all I want you to see from this is, is just be careful when you get legalistic. Amen. Be careful when you get legalistic. Right. I know people that try to that they try to walk so straight they'll break their back. Amen. You know, yeah. and there are churches that are legalistic. There are places you can go where where legalism is the rule of the day. I'm thankful it is not that way here. Now, there are rules. There are there are things you know there are things that we should not be doing and cannot do as children right. of God and remain in good standing with our church. Right. You understand that. There are some things that you could do to, to cause the church to have to withdraw its fellowship from you. Amen. But you know what? That ought to be the last resort, Amen. church. Amen. <laughs> I've known churches, Brother Buddy and I serve, are helping with the church in Las Vegas. As, as you know, some of you know the story of their history. They're, they're, the goal of one of their former pastors, apparently, was to exclude as many people as possible. I mean, he's, he was going for the record, I believe. <laughs> just trying to, you know, 19 this time, 12 that time, let's do 20 over here. You know, it's just a, and, and let me say to you, church, we've had to do it. You know we've had to do it. Those of you that have been here since 2011 realize we've had to do it. But is it, it should always be, and it has been here, a last resort after long laboring with love. Okay. Ahimelech was not a legalist. And Jesus put his stamp of approval upon what he did. There's nothing wrong with taking the bread, according to Jesus' own statement. But here's the problem. The problem was not the taking of the bread. The problem was the lie. The lie that David told. You know, lying complicates life. <laughs> you know, if you just tell the truth, you don't ever have to remember which lie you told who. You know it? That's just so simple, isn't it? I mean, I got to tell you, I, I know I, I, confession is always good for the soul, they say. It embarrasses me, but, uh, but it's also a good point here. I'll never forget when I was a kid, I heard about, I heard about something called laryngitis, you know, where you lose your voice. I thought that'd be pretty cool to lose your voice. So I started pretending to lose my voice, okay? And I'd go around, I went around for about a day and a half or two days, and uh, I was about five, six years old, you know, and I went around for about, you know, a day and a half or two days with, you know, whispering everywhere I went, you know. It's like I couldn't, I got laryngitis. So, and then, then all of a sudden, one, I forget what happened. I just never forget. I remember we were in the den and Mama was there and Daddy was there somewhere. And, and, and I saw something like said, oh, 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 look there. Look there. Well, glory be, my voice came back. You know, it's kind of, you know, I forgot I was lying. You know, I forgot about it. And it just, you know, they were, you know, anyway, y'all probably remember that, but uh, maybe you don't. But I remember it because it taught me a great lesson that if you just don't lie, you don't have to worry about what you're doing, okay, or what you told. 
And I want to say to you this, and I want you to keep this thought because we're going to come back to it, and it's going to be a very sad thing that you're going to see. Lying, lying can come back to haunt you. Amen. David's lie, David's lie here will come back to haunt him. Look at verse 7. This is an ominous verse, verse 7. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Dog, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. I love the way the Bible's written. There are some times when a little verse will be inserted somewhere, and it'll give, it'll give you chills when you know the rest of the story. You know, there's a verse like that at the end of chapter 11, I believe it is, of 2 Samuel. After David has done all that he can do to cover up his sin, even committing murder, and he's gotten it all taken care of, and everybody's covered, and nobody suspects him of being the bad guy except just a few in his inner circle. And it ends with this statement, but the thing that David did displeased the Lord. That gives me chills when I read it. This gives me chills in another way, because you're going to see that there's something important about this man, Dove that will cause David's lie to come back and haunt him. So David's on a journey in his faithlessness that takes him uh, away from Samuel, where he should have stayed. You know, think about it. Wouldn't you think, if I'm, if I'm David, I said, well, you know, I believe I'll be all right if I stay with Samuel, because the king can't touch him, at least not with his clothes on, you know. So he, he, the king can't get to him, see. And so, but he leaves him. And the next thing he does is he lies. Now, I want you to notice verse 8. And David said unto Ahimelech, Is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that. <laughs> Give it to me. Give it to me. And David leaves Ahimelech, so we've seen David and Ahimelech, and now we're going to see David and Achish, Achish the king of Gath. Notice in verse 10 what happens. David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish the king of Gath. <clears throat> now, those of you who are Bible students will remember something about this and will notice something interesting about verses 8 and 9 and verse 10. Remember in verse 8 and 9, Ahimelech gives David the only sword that he has, which is the sword of who? Goliath of Gath. See, Goliath came from a place called Gath. And, and David said, there's none like that. It was a very distinctive sword. Uh, it was something you know, particularly identifiable. Everybody knew about this sword. Now, notice <laughs> David then says, I'm going to take the sword of Goliath I'm going to go to his hometown. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to go to his hometown. I'm going to, I'm going to go down there to where he was. And in uh, and verse 11 and 12, notice what he says. The servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did not they sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And I want to say to David, what do you expect? <laughs> you know, he goes down there to, uh, to Gath trying to hide out from Saul, and he walks around displaying the sword of Goliath on his, on his, uh, uh, on his hip, and they're walking around and say, well, that's, that's Goliath's sword. And this is Goliath's hometown. 
And listen, the, the hit song had played down there. The hit song that, that of David slaying his ten thousands had played down there, and they didn't like it in Gath. <laughs> you know, it, you remember that uh, that that song didn't come into play until he had slain Goliath, right. and, and they had slain their hometown boy. <laughs> you know, they, he had slain. Uh, uh, you know, that's that, that's. Uh, you, you ever notice? You know, we send off somebody from our hometown to go play ball somewhere, and we 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 just kind of latch on to them. You know. Uh, uh, Walter Jones down in Alliceville was a favorite son of Aliceville. He was a, 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 a tackle, famous tackle in, in the pro uh, Seattle Seahawks team. You know, he was, and everybody just loves him. Nobody likes it when they get beat, you know. Nobody likes for somebody to go in there and disrespect the hometown boy, you know. Um, I, last night we were visiting with, uh, with Dalton and uh, and Sherry was sitting there. Listen, Dalton was telling us a little bit about these drill instructors that got up in his face, you know, and all this, which, you know, we expect that to happen. But boy, it didn't make Miss Sherry too happy to hear about <laughs> them disrespecting our hometown boy, you know, down up there. So, you know, she could put a piece of her, and she may write them a letter, brother. I don't know. But anyway, that's a. Uh, I'll try to keep her from doing that. But, but you know, this is the hometown boy done good. They sent him down there as the champion, and this man killed him. And they heard the songs that were sung about him. It says, isn't this the one that they danced to? And they, they told him that they, they sang that he had, Saul had slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. They didn't like it at all. You know, it occurs to me, <laughs> Brother Roger will appreciate this. It occurs to me that, that if we went down to Tumor's Corner and started singing Rammer Jammer, it would be something similar, okay? Or if the Auburn fight song were to be played at Denny Chimes, you know? That just wouldn't, wouldn't go over too well, would it? <laughs> well, that's what happened here. That's what happened. Walking in the flesh instead of by faith will complicate our lives. Amen. So what does David do? Well, he does what any of us would do, right? He starts slobbering and acting crazy. <laughs> it's wise, you know. Think about, think about where he's going. He's lying. He's starting to make bad choices. And so verse 13 says, He changed his behavior, behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is the great, sweet psalmist of Israel. This is the poet warrior. This is the anointed king of Israel who is currently in the eyes of God king. Not just going to be, but he is king. And oh, what he's done here. What a low point in his life. <laughs> I mean, it gets bad. Because notice that even, you know, you would think, now David's in trouble. David's about to be killed. And of course, you know, in some ways, this was probably, he'd gotten to the point where this was all he could do. Start crawling around the floor and on the streets and scrabbling and scratching at the doors and slobbering in his beard and acting crazy. In verse 14, then said Achish to his servants, Lo, you see the man is mad. <laughs> Wherefore then have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And the verse 1 of chapter 22 begins with David therefore departed thence. Now, he extracted himself from that situation that he'd gotten himself into. Now, if you went back and talked to David, say, David, what did you expect? What did you expect marching down to Goliath's hometown with Goliath's sword where they hate you and thinking, I'm going to find refuge here? That's crazy. 
That's crazy. Well, he acted crazy. And he extracted himself from that situation. But oh, what a low point in David's life. Amen. What a low point. Playing the fool in order to save your life. Do we really want to go there? Well, we've seen David and Ahimelech and David and Achish. Now I want us to look at, beginning in chapter 22, at David and Adullam, the cave of Adullam. Verse 1, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. All David's scheming, all of his manipulating his circumstances, all of his faithless walk had led him down to this cave surrounded by 400 bankrupt, discontent, destitute, <coughs> unhappy, desperate men. But you know, I believe David was delivered in this cave. You see, the beauty of David's life and what I love about studying him is sometimes we have to infer from the context what one of these characters in the Bible is thinking. But for David, who wrote nearly half the Psalms, we don't have to infer anything. We know exactly what he was thinking. Turn with me to Psalm 57. Psalm 57. And notice the superscription over the first verse in this psalm. It says, To the chief musician, Altaskith, a miktam of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave. This is one of two cave psalms that were written here. And I want you to listen to this. We're just going to read this. And I want you to listen. This is a prayer David wrote while he was down there surrounded by all of these discontented, bankrupt, desperate men. Listen to what he says. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me in the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. Selah. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and heart. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Notice what he's saying here. This is David who had decided that the only thing he could do was run. He had forgotten the promises of God. He had run from Saul, scheming in his own way to get away. He had lied to Ahimelech. He had lied. Uh, he had acted crazy in the doorstep of Achish. And now in the cave 
Adullam. He's surrounded by what he calls lions. I mean, can you imagine? You know, I think often about Daniel in the den of lions. That's a scary place to be, is it not? You think about lions are the king of the jungle. They're the, they're the, to me, uh, that would be the scariest thing about being lost in the plains of Africa is these lion uh, prides of lions that would come out and could rip your soul apart. And that's the way he feels down here, surrounded by 400 men, which is going to grow to 600 at some point. Uh, these are just lions. And he says in one place, I forget the psalm, but he's also writing from the cave. He says, no man cared for my soul. No man cared for my soul. But you know what he remembered in the cave? He remembered that God does. Amen. God does. And he prayed to God. C.H. Spurgeon said this, if David would have prayed in the palace like he prayed in the cave, he never would have run in the first place. Amen. That's pretty good, isn't it? If he had prayed in the palace like he prayed in the cave, he'd have never left the palace. He'd be there to this day. But David decided it was time to repent and replace his trust back in God. And I want you to notice the contrast between David and Saul, the king. Saul sought to soothe his rebellious heart with David's music. But David sought to repent and, and, to, and to put aside his sinful ways and return to God. And ever would this be the difference between Saul and David. There's no place you ever read about David where there's places he did wrong. But there's no place you ever read about David where he didn't ultimately turn to God in repentance Amen. and acknowledge his sin before him. Amen. Saul never acknowledged it till the end of his life and ended up dying on the plains out there after being defeated in battle. See, that's the difference. What are the lessons from this? I think there's about three lessons that we need to get from here. First of all, when we're out of fellowship with God, and seeking to go our own way. Don't we always seek bad counsel? <laughs> Don't we always do that? I mean, in the beginning, David was with Samuel, <laughs> but he failed to seek his counsel. He left Samuel, and he went down to a place where he was surrounded by malcontents and misfits, and that's a common pattern we see in life, is it not? Especially some of you preachers here will know, and those of you that have pastored churches, you'll realize that, that you'll see people, and you're just friends that you have. You'll see people, when they start down the wrong path, inevitably they begin to seek counsel from the wrong people, and they end up in the wrong place. Amen. Ask Abraham and Lot when you get to heaven. Ask Abraham and Lot. Lot says, I want to go it on my own, because I think I know better than God. I know better than, I want to separate myself from the kingdom of God. I know God has placed his blessings with you, Abraham. I recognize that you are the chosen uh, leader of this nation of, this nation of the Israelites that will, that will become the earthly nation of God. But I'm going to separate myself from you because I see a better way over here. Yeah. I want to say to you, child of God, every time that happens, we'll seek bad counsel and we'll end up in the wrong place. We'll end up in a cave surrounded by lions. And when we're out of fellowship with God, we make bad choices. Right. Bad choices. You know, as we've already said, and it's kind of funny, but David walked around Goliath's hometown with Goliath's sword on his side. <laughs> I mean, that's just very unwise, is it not? When we get out of fellowship with God, when we try to go our own way and walk by sight and not by faith, we lose access to the wisdom of God. Amen. God gives, he says, 
that any man that seeks wisdom ask of God who giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not. But when we're not in fellowship with God, we don't have access to that wisdom of God. And I've got a newsflash for you. You don't have any wisdom of yourself. Amen. Well, what if I follow my heart? <laughs> well, try that sometime. No, don't try that. Let me just say to you, I've tried it. Don't try it. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's why so many people, young and old, get into problems with marriage and get into problems with uh, get into problems of, of of breaking their marriage because they follow their heart, the seat of the emotions, into the place they shouldn't be. Let me let me say this to you. I love my wife, and and she still makes my heart skip a beat when I see her. Okay, but. I don't think I always make her heart skip a beat every time she sees me. And the truth be told, there's times when I'm not in a good mood and, and there are times when I'm just going my own way and the feeling is not as intense as it ought to be. I'll put it that way. And, and she would say the same thing, I think. You know, those that want to go into marriage say, oh, I love him, I love her, and my heart is bursting with emotion. Yeah, your heart's going to burst with emotion after you get married, but it may not be the right emotion, okay? <laughs> there'll be times, there'll be times when your heart will burst or you might want to burst their heart with emotion, you know. But, you know, the idea of following your emotions and your heart, let me say to you, child of God, there ought to be, just like here at church, there ought to be feelings here, and there are. There are. But I've been here before when I didn't feel like being here. But I came anyway because the Bible says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. And the works he's talking about is doing what God says, which is not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. You see, and when you come, I've never left unblessed. <laughs> I've never left unblessed. But when we get out of fellowship with God, we tend to make some bad choices. And I'll say this to you, and this is the sad part of this, this, the rest of the story here. When we get out of fellowship with God and we begin to follow our own path, sometimes we set into motion bad consequences. Amen. You remember what we read about verse 7? That there was a certain man of Saul there named Dog in the place in, in Nob where David went, where he met Ahimelech and he ate of the showbread. And Ahimelech, he lied to Ahimelech and told him that he was here on a on a journey that the king had sent him on. If you continue reading, and we don't really have time tonight to read, uh, I won't spend our time reading chapter 22, verses 6 through 22. But if you'll read that, you'll see that what happened was Saul heard about David and heard about where he was, and that in verse 9, it says, Dog the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him victuals and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. There's, there's some good lessons here, but uh, notice one thing that Dog was. He was a very wicked man. And he was, a, you know, you say, well, how was he wicked? Well, we'll see some really wicked things he does in a minute. But you know the first thing he was? He was just a gossiper. He was just a gossiper. He was a tailbearer. You know? So what tailbearer? I didn't think that was too too bad, was it? Yes, it is. Let me tell you, child of God, don't be a tailbearer. Yeah. Don't be a tailbearer. Gossip, if you don't think gossip will hurt you, read continue reading this story with me. Because he goes and tells Saul, I saw David down there, and the rest of the story is this. Saul goes down to Nob. 
and he gathers all the he gathers Ahimelech the priest and all of his family and all the priests that were there and there's about 85 people there and the king says to Ahimelech uh, in his rage I I'm sentencing you to death and and when he sentenced him to death uh, some of the footmen the people that that uh, that were working for Saul wouldn't even touch the priests they wouldn't raise their hands because uh, because they knew that they just didn't need to uh, touch the Lord's anointed. But this man, Dog, the Edomite, was willing to do it, and he turned, and we're told in verse 18, he fell upon the priests and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. That means they were priests. He slew 85 priests, and it started with that lie that David told. And I want you to notice in verse 22, well, verse 20, it says, One of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar showed David that, that Saul had slain the Lord's priests. And David said unto Abiathar, I knew it that day when Dob the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. And I believe David carried that burden on his heart for the rest of his life. He said, Abide thou with me, fear not, for he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life, but with me thou shalt be in safeguard. When we get out of fellowship with God and we do these things that are faithless and not in accordance with God's will, we sometimes set in motion consequences that can reverberate uh, to many, many others of different generations. We got to remember that, child of God. Faithlessness is the path of death. Faithlessness will lead you to, you know, there's a, when the Bible says something one time, we need to listen to it. When it says it twice, we better sit up and take notice. It's like God blowing a trumpet. And you'll read in the 14th chapter of Proverbs and the 16th chapter of Proverbs, a verse that goes like this. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You see, David got out of fellowship with God. He tried to do it his own way. And because of that, he made bad choices, he sought bad counsel, and there were bad consequences. But even in the midst of that, as we read in the Psalm 57, God cared for him and God delivered him. You know, that's the answer for us. Amen. We hear this so often. So often we hear this verse spoken in the wrong way. Say, God won't put on you more than you can bear. Well, let me just say to you, first of all, God most of the time doesn't put it on you, okay? But here's the way this verse reads. It says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will not suffer thee to be tempted above that that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. You notice what he said there? He didn't say, if you'll obstinately go down the same path you're going, regardless of what God's word says or what God has led you to do, then, you know, God won't put on you more than you can bear. You know, sometimes God will suffer more than you can bear to come upon you. He will, he will absolutely load you down to your back breaks. But he's given you a way of escape. That way of escape isn't to continue going obstinately the way you want to go. It's to turn to Him. Amen. Turn to Him. Oh, Saul, if you had just dealt with the root of your problem instead of seeking the soothing lyre of David, then you would be in a lot better place today. 
you know, that was not good advice that his servants gave him, was it? He didn't, you know, what should the servants of Saul said to him? Should they have said, Saul, Saul, just keep, keep going your way, but we'll, we'll get some music that'll make you feel better. We'll, we'll soothe your emotions, you know. You know what they should have said? The same thing Nathan said to David. Thou art the man. Amen. Saul, you've got problems. You need to repent and turn to God. That's what we need to do. And that's the way of escape that will cause us to be able to bear it. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.